It's good to be saved this morning. Amen. Thank God for that singing. You know my favorite part about that choir singing? It lifted Jesus up. Amen. If we ever get away from lifting Jesus up, we'll be in a mess. Ain't that right? And I want to lift his name up this morning. Let's turn to Matthew chapter number 16. I thank God for this church. I try to say it every time we're here. But this is an oasis for me and my family. And uh, it's not like this everywhere we go on the road. More, more often than not, it's not like this. Amen. And I'm thankful for a place that we can come and get our barrel filled. Amen. I don't carry a cup around. Amen. I like barrels. Amen. And I want to get it filled up. I like what Brother Brian said, and I don't even know if everybody got it. I didn't get it. I, I, was, I was listening, but I, it just went past me. But he said, mercy kept us from getting what we do deserve until grace got there and gave us what we do, don't deserve. Amen. I had to write that down. Amen. That's, more, that's higher than me. Amen. I would have never thought of that. Amen. It's good to be here this morning, amen. And I thank God for what the church, God's been doing through the church. I've heard about, uh, is it 20, right at $20,000 towards missions in the past few months. And that thrills my soul. I'm glad that my family gets to be a, a part of this church, amen. And I'm thankful. I want to say this. I don't even know if Brother Caleb's here this morning, but I want to say again, thank y'all for putting the effort forward to do that podcast. We, we li- I listen to that on a weekly basis, and it helps our family. And I'm thankful all that God. God's doing in Bible Baptist Church and can't wait to get all this, the, the debt paid all, everything. Amen. I'm thankful for the plan. I'm glad for the vision to go forward. I know churches all over this country, they get them a building built and, and they get a few people coming and they get stagnant. They, they, they turn into a maintaining uh, a ministry and eventually that becomes a monument ministry. Amen. They're always looking back at what it used to be, but I'm glad that the greater days are still ahead. Amen. And I'm thankful for our pastor and his family. Matthew chapter 16, enough with the preliminaries. Amen. I just wanted to say that while it was on my heart. Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, uh, Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I want you to remember that question. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias and others Jeremiah. Now, if your Bible doesn't say Elias and Jeremiah right there, you don't have the right kind of Bible. Amen? I understand we're talking about Elijah and Jeremiah, but the King James Bible was translated to say Elias and Jeremiah out of the Greek. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? There's our second question that we see in the text. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all you've done for us today. I pray that you fill me with the Holy Ghost of God, dear Lord. Forgive me for where I failed you between the 
the last time we talked and until now. Lord, no doubt there are sins of, of ignorance that I've committed. I don't even realize, Lord, well, I pray that you wash me clean. I pray that you touch every sinner that's in this place tonight or this morning. I pray that the Holy Ghost of God would begin even now to draw them and to woo them unto yourself. I pray, dear Father, that we'd see sinners saved this morning. And Lord, I pray that we'll give you all the glory. I pray that you touch saints, that we go forward and not just be hearers only, but doers also. Lord, I pray that we put to shoe leather everything we've heard this morning. I pray that this message would prick every heart that's here this morning. Use your servant this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. This morning, this is a very very uh, integral part of the Gospel of Matthew. If you study up into this point in the, the Gospel of Matthew, you will find out that Jesus has almost specifically been going towards the Jews. We understand that in John 4, and this would have been prior to this story, this part of the Gospels, but in John 4 he went, uh, must needs go through Samaria, and he went to that Samaritan woman, but even that woman had Jew in her, amen? And then we read in chapter 14 or 15, I believe it is, of the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus and she had a daughter that was full of, de of, of the devil and she came to Jesus saying that I want you to cast him out, cast that devil out of my daughter and he said it is not me for, give the, the, for me to give the bread of the children to the, to the dogs. Amen. And she said truth your Lord but even the dogs eat of the crumbs which come from the children's table. Hey and you know what God saw so much faith in that woman that he blessed her and he did what, uh, what she wanted for from him, the, the devil went out of her daughter. But Brother Brian, he was almost exclusively and seclusively uh, to the Jews prior to this point. Amen. Uh, but we see in the chapters leading up to chapter 16 that Jesus just begins to hammer those Pharisees. And you've got to understand, there were Jewish people that were being saved. Amen. All the disciples were Jews. All of these that followed him, they were Jews. But you hear me and hear me well this morning. He was wanting them to receive him now nationally as the Messiah. Amen. He, they needed to receive him as their king, as their Messiah, and they refused to do that. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests, they were the leaders of the Jews and the majority of the Jews back then, and so they rejected him nationally. So as a part of that, Jesus in chapter 16, he begins to turn from those Jews and turn towards the Gentiles. Can I get an amen right there? Hallelujah to God. Amen. I'm glad that they, hey, listen, I want the Jews to be saved. Hey, I believe we want the, amen. That's right. We want the Jews to be saved. And we have seen Jews saved. Hey, but friend of mine this morning, if they would not have rejected him, we could have not been grafted in. Is that right? Romans 9, 10, and 11. Uh, because of their unbelief, we've been able to be grafted in. Amen. And I'm glad to be a part of his Gentile bride this morning. Amen. This morning, this is a turning point. But here in the midst of this turning point, there's Jesus asks two very important questions. In, in, in verse 13, and in, then again in verse number 15. In verse 13, he says the latter part, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now Jesus is asking this as a broad question. He is wanting to know what society 
thinks he is. Amen? Whether it be the, 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 the religious culture of that day or the, the carnal societal culture of that day, he wanted to know who men said that he was. But then he pinpoints the disciples and he doesn't say, who do they say I am? Who do men say that I am? But in verse number 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And this morning, by the help of the Lord, I want to preach on who is He to you? Who is He to you? That's what Jesus was asking these disciples. He was saying, who who am I to the world? But better yet, who am I to you? Who am I to you? And I want to preach this morning. I want to show you who society says He is. And I believe it's still a mirror of what society says He is today. I want to out of the Scriptures show you who Simon Peter said He was. I even want to show you who God the Father and God the Holy Ghost said Jesus was. And then I want to show you who Jesus said Jesus was and if we have enough time and they can keep the food warm long enough I want to tell you who I say he is to me amen I want to ask you you keep that in your mind this morning who is he to you who is the son of God to you this morning Uh, so we look at verse number 14 the question is whom do men say that I the son of man am verse number 14 says and they said some say that thou art John the Baptist some say Elias which we know means Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So there's a list of a who's who here in verse 14. Brother Gravely, these are the highlights of the, the Old Testament. These are the men of God. All I can think of, the only one that I would have liked to have added there would have been Moses. Amen. He's about the only one left out. They got everybody else. Hey, but friend, Jesus didn't come like Moses. He come like grace. Amen. Can I get an amen right there? Oh, there's a lot of preaching right there. I can't stop right there. But hear me this morning. There is a list of these men and apparently there were things that Jesus reminded them of in his ministry of these men. Would y'all agree with that? There were things that these men were identified by that was also what Jesus was identified by. So what did society say it was? First of all, they said John the Baptist. Now at this time, according to chapter 11 of the book of Matthew, John the Baptist had already had his head cut off. Amen. You know, because he was such a sensitive man and, and he was so sweet to everybody. Can I get an amen right there? Hey, but friend of mine, no. There, if there was one word that identified the ministry of John the Baptist and it would be one word and you probably know what I'm about to say, but it would be preaching. Amen. Matthew 3 said he came out of the wilderness not teaching, not tickling ears, not making that, not patting everybody on the belly. He came out of the wilderness preaching. Amen. And you say, well, what did he preach? Well, I'm glad you asked. Amen. Mark chapter 1 says he came out preaching repentance. Amen. Now that's not a cuss word. I know most Baptists don't believe that anymore because it messes up their ABC of repeat after me theology. But Brother Lamar, hey, the Bible still teaches and preaches repentance. Amen. Hey, but if that wasn't enough, I'm glad. It doesn't stop right there. You know why he got his head cut off? Because of what he was preaching. Amen. And there's a lot of badness. They've never took a knife and cut the preacher's head off. But spiritually because of his preaching they took the knife and cut the head off of the preacher. Amen. What what did Herod say? Matthew chapter 11. What did Herod say? Herod said John the Baptist has risen from the grave. 
Is that not what Herod said? So Herod, even this lost wicked man, he, he saw Jesus and he said, man, his preaching reminds me of my favorite preacher, which was John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist preach to Herod? He went down to Herod's house, Brother Jack. He got right in Herod's face and he said, you're shacking up with your brother's wife. You're committing adultery. It's against the law. It's against morality. It's wickedness. Hey, and he said, you're wicked for it. And you know what they did? They cut his head off. So if Jesus, hold on now, is everybody with me? And so when Jesus came preaching, he didn't come teaching. He came preaching when Jesus come preaching according to Mark chapter 1 verse 14 that Jesus after the imprisonment of John the Baptist Jesus went forth preaching and guess what the first message that Jesus preached was he preached repentance amen Jesus preached he, he, he took John's text he took John's pulpit and the very message that John had preached the Sunday before Jesus stood up the next Sunday and he preached the exact same thing Hey, I wonder, preacher, hey, could he preach your message? I've always wondered that, Brother Brian, would God be willing to get up in the the pulpit after me and preach the exact same message I'm preaching? He didn't have to worry about that with John because John's message was Jesus' message. And if he reminded Herod of John the Baptist, I imagine he's probably hitting some adultery. He's probably hitting some fornication. He was hitting on sin. He was preaching the Word of God because he was the Word of God. Amen. So... They saying Jesus is a preacher. Amen. He is a preacher. That's what the world was saying. He is a preacher. Nextly, they I see Elias, Elijah. And if there was any one word, I believe you agree with me. If there was one word it, it, that we could identify in the life of Elijah, one word to identify his whole ministry, it would be prayer. When we go to James 5 and, and the, uh, the Apostle James is writing about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, what, what, what illustration does he give? He gives the illustration of Elijah. Is that right? He said Elijah was a man of light passions as we are. Brother Leonard Ravenhill says he might be a, light, a man of light passions as we are, but we're not a man of, men of light prayer as he was. Amen. 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 That's what we're lacking in this day. Is that right? We need to get back to the throne room of grace. Is everybody with me now? I'm going somewhere. Hey, I see that this man, Elijah, was a man of prayer. He prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for the, t- the span of three years or three years and six months. Is that right? And guess what? I like what it says in James, that he prayed again. Amen. I'm glad we can pray again. Amen. Hey, he prayed down by the brook. He prayed down at the widow's house. He prayed 63 words on Mount Carmel and the fire fell from heaven. And guess what? He prayed again. And he told him, he said, go tell Elijah or go tell Ahab that I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Hey, I'm telling you this morning, friend, I'm glad we can still get a prayer through. Hey, but you go looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus, he prayed. He prayed. Go look at Mark 1. There's more devils mentioned in Mark 1 than possibly any other chapter in the word of God. But you want to you know what you see Jesus doing over and over again he would pray and then he would preach and then he would pray and then he would preach and then he would pray and then he would preach and if Jesus needed to pray the son of God if he needed to pray surely we need to pray amen so 
The world says he's a preacher. I mean, he's a preacher machine. But then they say he's a man of prayer. But then they even goes to far. They say, they say oh, and others say it, Jeremiah's. Now, what, if I could think of one word, and you follow me. If I could think of one word to identify Jeremiah with, it would be passion. What do we call Jeremiah? The weeping prophet. Every one of y'all knew exactly where I was going. He is the weeping, Brother Wilson, he is the weeping prophet. He prophesied with broken heart and tears, with a fire shut up in his bones, knowing he was never going to have any converts, knowing he could never have a companion in this walk of life. But for years and years, Brother Lamar, he prophesied of exactly what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Oh, but you know what? He sat down in the ash heap as Jerusalem was falling down around him. And in Lamentations chapter number three, everything he had prophesied, was coming to pass and brother Jaron he sat down in Lamentations chapter 3 and he said his mercies are new every morning hey I'm telling you whether it's up or whether it's down whether they like it or whether they don't hey he was a man of passion he had a burden he had a love for sinners and you know what Jesus had he in Matthew 21 he said Jerusalem Jerusalem how often I would have gathered thee as a mother hen to her chicks is that right amen hey but you rejected me. You turned away. Hey, you know what? On the cross, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, but they know not what they do. Even the ones that drove the nails in his hands, even the ones that spit in his face, he loved them to the very end. And he loves you and me. That's why he went all the way. Hey, he was a man of passion. Amen. He loved sinners. So he's a preacher. He's a man of prayer. The world says, man, he's even a man of passion. They, don't, they, they love the love of God. They just don't understand it. He even said that one of the other prophets. I mean, if that wasn't good enough. Now, I, I, y'all look up here at me. Now, if Donald Black came up here this morning and said, Brother Hewitt, you preach like, Eli- or you preach like John the Baptist, you pray like Elijah, and you have passion like Jeremiah, Brother Lamar, y'all have to cut another set of double doors to get my head out of here. Amen. <laughs> Y'all, y'all with me now? I mean, these, this, this is big stuff. They're saying all this. They're saying if, if we could just nail it down, he, he, he's a good preacher. And I mean, man, he preaches like John the Baptist and he prays like Elijah and he's, he's passionate like Jeremiah. And if that's not enough, he reminds us of, of all the other prophets. But compared to Jesus, John the Baptist is nothing. Compared to Jesus, Jeremiah is nothing. Compared to Jesus, Elijah is nothing. The world has no problem. The church culture, society, they have no problem saying, yeah, Jesus was a good preacher. Yeah, he he prayed real good. Yeah, Jesus loved everybody. He was a great philosopher. Even the Muslims say he was a prophet. But I'm going to tell you this morning, he wasn't just a preacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a man of prayer. He wasn't just a passionate man. Jesus was the son of God. You know what society then didn't want to admit and society today doesn't want to admit that Jesus is the virgin born incarnate fullness of the Godhead bodily son of God. Amen. 
Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and was found in likeness as a man and being found in the fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name and it's the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth and Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Amen he wasn't just a preacher he wasn't just a man of prayer he wasn't just a prophet he wasn't just a man of passion hey he was God amen I had an agnostic woman a few years ago real snark and rude got in my face and she said well you know history proves there's about 200 people that claim to be born of a virgin around the time of Christ and Brother Laddie, I'm not a very intellectual person. I'm not very quick either. I just, I'm just what I am what I am. I got to deal with what God gave me. But that day, the Holy Ghost helped me. And I looked her in her eyeballs and I said, What's one of their names? You could hear the crickets outside. That's right. Well, I'd have to, I'd have to, she, she got aghast, like, Oh man. And then she got that angry look on her face. And because she knew she'd been called on the carpet. And Brother David, she said, well, well, I really don't know any of their names. I'd have to go look one up. Yeah, I said, yeah, but everybody knows the name of Jesus. I said, everybody knows the name of Jesus. Hey, I've said it here before, but if Jesus isn't real, why are they trying to ban him from the prayers? If Jesus isn't real, why do they got such a problem? They're not mad about Muhammad. They're not mad about Buddha. They're not mad about Santa Claus. Hey, but would you name him Jesus? When you nail him down on Jesus, they don't want to put their authority under the authority of the God of this Bible. They don't want to admit he's God. Hey, because then they are admitting they're under condemnation I feel like preaching this morning amen hey I like preaching as a noun I enjoy watching them preach but I like it a whole lot better as a verb amen I like doing it amen Jesus would you agree that the society has no problem saying he was a preacher that's right he was a man of prayer he was a passionate man he loved everybody yes they even criticize us because of our stand against sin. They'll say, well, I sure do wish Christians were like Jesus if they only knew the Jesus of the Bible. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. They formed Jesus of their mind. Amen. They believed that Jesus went around accepting sin, but He never accepted sin. Jesus would accept a repentant sinner, but He would never accept sin. Matter of fact, every time He deal with a sinner, He would deal with their sin first, and then He would deal with the sinner. Can I get an amen? And then once He dealt with the sin, and He dealt with the sinner, He'd go back to the sin and say, go and sin no more. Did that mean they were perfect? No. But that meant that they had the power in Christ to go and live a life that was and under the bondage of sin. Hey, I'm telling you this morning, this world does not want to admit Jesus is God because they don't want to experience condemnation. Amen. This morning, man, I'm having a good time preaching. That's what society says he is. But look at verse number 15. He saith unto them, but whom say ye? Now he's looking at the disciples. This is an intimate setting. He's looking at his disciples and he says, Whom do you say that 
I am. Now I like that phrase right there. He didn't say, whom do you say I was? And whom do you say I'm going to be? Did y'all get that? He didn't tell Moses over there in Exodus 3, I believe it is. He didn't say, go tell him that the I was sent thee. He didn't say, go tell him that I'm going to be sent thee. He said, you go tell him the I am sent thee. Everything Jesus was in the beginning and everything he'll be in the end is everything he was in this verse. He said, amen, amen. He, he was God all the way and man all the way. You say, I can't explain that and neither can you. Hey, but I'm glad I don't have to explain it. I just need to believe it. Hey, that he was the one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That's the I am. Amen. Hey, he is the one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Amen. Now that ain't necessarily in my notes, but I like preaching it. Amen. He is the I am. But you notice the disciples in verse number 14, it says, and they said, when it had to do with what society said. But look here. And I find this interesting. Jesus said, whom do you, but whom say ye that I am? He's talking to the disciples. And Simon Peter answered. Now it matters not this morning what society says he is. Right. Amen. Right. Matter of fact, on a personal level, and y'all follow me, it does not matter what this church says he is. Right. It does not matter who your preacher says he is this morning. What matters this morning is who is he to you. Amen. Amen. Peter stepped up and he took it from a group effort. He said, I ain't speaking for the group, but I'm speaking for me. Peter said, I can't hold that back any further. I can't can't go silent any longer. I'm glad you asked, Jesus. He steps forward and he said, I'll tell you who you are. Look at verse number 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Look up here at me this morning. Salvation is not a group effort. You are not saved because you are a member of Bible Baptist Church. You are not saved because Ricky Gravely is your pastor. You're not saved because your spouse is saved. You're not saved because you've been in the baptistry. You're not saved this morning because you've joined the church. You're not saved because you're a Baptist. This morning if you're saved, it's because you repented and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. Amen. Look what he said here. He said, you're the Christ. Now, the, the Old Testament word Messiah is the New Testament word Christ. Amen. Peter said, you're the one we've been waiting on. You're the one we've been looking for. You're the one that was born of a virgin. You're the one that was coming to bring healing. Amen. You are the one. You're the Messiah. But then he said, I like this. I like that the King James Bible, that's, that word son is capitalized. Is that right? He said, you're the son of the living God. He didn't say a dead God. He didn't say a God that was sleeping. He didn't say a God that couldn't help nobody. Oh, but I'm glad before I ever was, my God was. And before after I'll be dead in the ground, or after I'm shouting in heaven for eternity, my God will be. Amen. I, I, he is the son of the living God. Now, follow me here. Peter Look Jesus in the face. And you notice what Jesus said in verse number 13. He said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And that phrase, Son of Man, that's capital S as well. Jesus was saying that I am the God-Man. Amen. 
He was identifying himself as a human. He was identifying himself as, 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 as incarnate God. Amen. But hear me, hear me well. Peter looked him in the face and he said, Not only are you the Christ, but you the God man, you are the Son of God. Amen. Amen. You say, what does this mean for me this morning, Brother Chris? This was Peter's profession of faith. I don't know when he got saved. I don't know if he was saved before this or if this is the actual point of conversion. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't go to hell believing that Jesus is this. Amen. And I'm not talking about up here. Peter didn't know it up here. Peter knew it down here. Hey, friend, you don't go to hell believing that Jesus is the Son of God. You don't go to hell believing Jesus is the Christ. Hey, this morning, if you've never been saved, it is your personal responsibility to react to truth and you need to get in this altar this morning and say God I believe you are the son of God amen Amen. if if you've never been saved you'll die and go to hell you will die and go to hell but this morning if you'll repent I was having a discussion with my grandfather about what repentance is this past weekend and a lot of people believe it's a work I believe it's ceasing from works for some people in this room this morning, you've got so much religion, but you've never been saved. And, and for you to be saved, this is not a work. You, you, you'll hear me. You'll have to repent. You'll have to turn from those, those religious works Amen. and fully put your faith in Christ to be saved. But there are some people in this room this morning, you love your sin. You've never had a profession. You know you're wicked. You know you're on your way to hell. But you do, you refuse to repent of your wickedness. You don't. You want your sin more than you want Jesus. You know, just like these folks that stood up here this morning. Hey, it's natural, brother Justin. Somebody gets saved, just automatically they get a desire to go to church. Is that right? Hey, if if somebody gets saved, like Miss Candace said, hey, he'll, they'll put the bottle down. They'll put the they'll put the dope down. It won't take. It won't take a twelve step program. Only twelve step program you need is to get up out of all. Of your pew and take 12 steps down to this altar and get saved by the good grace of God this morning, and you'll put her down forever if you want to. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. You need to be saved. I see, I'm I'm, I'm coming to a a closing point. You watch me now here. Verse 17 Jesus says, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So we see who society says he is. That's who he is to society. We see that he's the Christ, the son of the living God to Peter. But who is he? Jesus lets us know that it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed this to Peter, but it was his father. And if, 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 if God the Father, Brother Lamar, y'all just follow me. This ain't real deep, but I just enjoy him preaching it. If God the Father wanted Peter to know that, then that must be what God the Father thinks of Christ. Amen. Hey, you know what God knows Jesus is? God the Father knows that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But wait, wait, wait. How does God the Father reveal His truth to men? He reveals it through the Holy Ghost of God. Is that right? So not only does the Father believe this, that flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven, not only does flesh and blood, not only does Peter believe this, not only does God the Father believe this, but if the Holy Ghost was willing to bring that news from the Father to Peter, that lets me know this morning that the Holy Ghost of God, He believes that Jesus is the Christ, the the Son of the living God. Amen. Look at verse number 18. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, 
That word Peter right there is Petros in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar, but that's important. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now the Catholics this morning, <coughs> the Catholics this morning, they'll tell you that this is where the, the, that Peter was made the first pope. And if Peter was the first pope, they've automatically went against their doctrine because Peter had a mother-in-law, therefore he had a wife. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. He was not the first pope. Amen. Amen. And Peter never put his, con- cons- his consensus on the church at Rome. Can I get an amen right there? It's a cult. The Roman Catholic Church is a cult this morning. They get their heresy from this. Now, we see in verse 14 who society says he is. We see in verse 16 who Peter says he is. Verse 17, who God the Father and God the Holy Ghost says he is. But in verse 18, Jesus says who he is. Jesus talking about himself. He looks at Peter. Now, follow me. Brother Jaron, can you come up here and just stand right here? He looks at Peter and he says... Thou art Peter. Petros. Go yeah. look it up. That's, what, that's the word. It means little rock. Little stone. He said, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock. Right. That word rock there means Petra. It's big rock. Yeah. Oh, right. yes. Now, you know, how silly would it have been if he says, I'm going to build my, my church on this little rock. Matter of fact, how, how silly would it have been if it's his church, why would he build it on anything else but himself? That's right. Is that right this yeah. morning? If, if I'm going to build something, I'm not going to build it on some other man's foundation. I'm going to build it on my foundation. Is that right? Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus was doing. Now follow me. Jesus identified himself as the big rock. Now all those disciples standing there, they grew up around the Old Testament. And the only person that is ever referred to as a rock in the Old Testament is God Himself. Amen. Amen. Am I right, Brother Samuel? Help me now. Brother Samuel tell you the only time that the Jews referred to the rock as a personification was to talk about God. Now, amen. So all those Jewish men are standing there saying, he's saying he's God. He's saying he is the rock. He's saying he is the one we can lean on. He is saying that he's the one that the water's going to come out of. He said, you're the little rock, but upon the big rock is what I'm going to build my church. Hey, friend, he didn't use us as the foundation. Follow me. Hey, you know what it says in Psalms 118 that the builders are going to reject that chief cornerstone. He is the corner. He is the foundation of our faith. Would you agree with that? But aren't you glad that he came down to Powder Springs, Georgia, and he he found him a little rock, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go down in the darkness, and I'm going to go down in the muck, and I'm going to go down in the mire, and I'm going to dig me out this, this little rock, and I'm going to mine him out and I'm going to clean him up and I'm going to go and I'm going to sit him on the big rock and I'm going to build my church out of a bunch of little rocks. Hey this morning aren't you glad Jesus found you? Now we're not the foundation. We're not the base of the church. Hey but I'm glad that he came to where we's at. He got a bunch of little rocks and he put us all together and he's building his church. Amen. You sit down. He's building his church. Jesus said, I am the stone, I am the rock, and the gates of hell. If we're built on him, hey, the devil and hell, they don't have the keys to their own house. Jesus has them hanging on his key ring. Amen. Jesus got them hanging right next to his door. Amen. 
Amen. That's right. Hey, friend, Jesus has got the has got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Hey, and if they don't even have their own keys, surely the goodness they're never going to be able to prevail against Christ and His church. That's who He is to Himself. Now, can I tell you this morning? I fall on this message of, is of study today. But if I could tell you who He is to me this morning, if I could think of any phrase, the first one would have to be, He's my best friend. Amen. Amen. He's my Savior. Brother Jack, I thought about you when, when I was studying this. I said if Brother Jack Pendergrass could stand up and say anything about him, who is he to Jack Pendergrass? He's the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the brightest morning star, my Lord, my God, my portion in the land of the living. Hey, if I could say, hey, if I could say one thing, it'd be Jesus. Hey, man, he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and last, that which is, which was. Hey, amen. He is in the beginning and he'll be there way past the end. Amen. He he is the Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the bright morning star. He's the lily of all my valleys. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Lamb of God. He was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He's the one we'll be saying hallelujah, 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 hallelujah to all the rest of eternity. He's my Savior. He is my friend. He is my Lord. He is my hey, my portion this morning, amen. And I'm thankful he's everything. That just sums it up. But I wonder this morning, who is he to you? There's a lot of people in here that are saved and he's nothing but a spare tire to you. You know what I didn't do this morning, Brother Gravely? When I got, to, when I got, got up, got dressed, Brother Brian, I didn't walk out to my truck this morning Get down on the ground, look up underneath it and go, Whoa! Man, you're looking good today. How many of y'all did that? Don't raise your hand. You'd be silly if you did. I didn't do that this morning. Matter of fact, I've never got up and just went out there and looked under my spare tire unless I needed something from it. But ain't that the way a lot of saved people treat Jesus? We got a fire extinguisher there in the house, and just to be honest with you, it's a, it's a nuisance. I have to be right there at the door, on, exposed next to the, in them campers. Have to leave it there. It's bolted to the wall. I can't tell you how many times I've run into that thing, and it's almost a nuisance most days. Me trying to go about my own life, trying to live my life, and I never really think about that that fire extinguisher until I run into it or until I need it. Ain't that the way most of us treat Jesus? He just gets in the way of the way we want to live our life. Say, person, he's more than just Savior. He's Lord. And he'll be everything to you that you'll allow him to be. Did you get that? He'll be everything to you that you'll allow him to be. The lost person this morning, he wants to save you this morning. See, everything I preached about salvation and going to heaven this morning, that means nothing to you until you get saved. You'll go to hell without Christ being your Lord this morning. I want to, can I give the altar call preacher? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I know there's sinners here. There's conviction about the place. <clears throat> Nobody's looking. Nobody's peeking. How many here that say this morning, preacher, I'm saved, but I've not put Christ in the right spot in my life. He's been a spare tire. He's been a, that fire extinguisher sticking off the wall to me. And I need to put Him 
higher up in my life. I need to make him my life. Would you slip your hand up? Hands going up everywhere. I'm saved, but he hadn't, he hadn't had the right place in my life. Hands going up everywhere. I thank you for being honest. I'm saved, but preacher, he's just, he's not everything to me. And it's not his fault, it's mine. Would you slip your hand up? There's several that raised their hand. Hands still going up. Thank you. I wonder this morning, is there anybody here that say, Preacher, he's nothing to me. I've never been saved. Would you pray for me? Preacher, I need to be saved this morning. Would you slip your hand up? Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Say, Preacher, slip it up where I can see it. Just pray for me. I'll not come to you. I'll not embarrass you. Say, Preacher, God's dealing with my heart this morning. I've never been saved. Would you slip your hand up? Hands still going up. Thank you for being honest. Church, there's several people here that needs to be saved this morning. As we stand, I, I want Brother David to sing. I want folks to come use these altars. He don't have the right place in your life. Who is he to you, Christian? Sinner, who is he to you this morning? He can be Savior. He can be Lord. Let's sing.